Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for the man that show hosts across the country have been raving about. What this guy move. has got to be one of the cockiest human beings on planet Earth. On Earth, I love him. You I happen to like that guy, but who the hell does he think he is? I like that. Okay, maybe not Evan Cohen, but Mike Babchick has a weird obsession with him. That's why I like him, because he's he's hot. He's even caught the eye of Adam Shine. Joe Serralo, pride of St. Bonaventure. Woj has called him the future of the industry. If you're still not sold, well, take Adam's advice. If you don't believe me, ask Joe. He'll be the first one to tell you how great he is. Now, it's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with, you guessed it, Joe Sorallo. I might be too strong, I don't compliments, overdosed on confidence, started not to give a fuck and stop fearing the consequence, drinking every night because we drink to my accomplishments, faded way too long, I'm floating in and out of consciousness, and they saying I'm back, I'd agree with that, I just take my time with all this shit, I still believe in that, I had someone tell me I fell off, ooh I needed that, and they wanna see me pick back up, well where'd I leave it at, I know I exaggerated things, here we go, Serralo Sports like Talk, it's me, Joe Serralo. Big show ahead. Brandon Lang back on. Second straight week that he and I are going to try to make you some money this weekend on the NFL. Might even get a little frisky. Might throw a little bit of college football in there for the first time this year here in week three. Starting to get a little bit of a better feel for the collegiate landscape. All over my week one NFL takeaways. All over the botched MVP decision that the NBA made just a couple hours ago was released. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, absolute stud, love him, should not have been the MVP this year. And of course, Joey Big Balls Burrow, a little backdoor cover action on a Thursday night starting the weekend off the best way possible. Let's start right there. Joey Burrow, how do you not absolutely love this kid goes to LSU right grows up in Athens Ohio homegrown kid goes to Ohio State realizes shit Dwayne Haskins Justin Fields I'm not going to see the field as a Buckeye just not gonna happen transfers buys all into Ed Orgeron's team at LSU which I mean how the fuck could you not that man makes me want to run through a brick wall and I can't understand half of what he's saying buys into that LSU program goes there very mediocre year one right? They're running that traditional LSU offense, one of the few college teams, for Christ's sake, that was still using a fullback in Joey Burrow's junior year over with the Tigers. Buys in, though, does what he has to do, wins some games, gets to a New Year's Six Bowl, doesn't wow anyone like we thought he would. Then senior year rolls around. Then you've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield, Justin Jefferson out wide to his right, Jamar Chase, who will probably be a top five pick next April, out wide to his left, Thaddeus Moss, Randy's kid, catching passes in the end zone, one of the best tight end targets in the country, definitely in the SEC last season. All of a sudden, in comes Joe Brady, and hey, let's change the offensive scheme. Let's deviate away from LSU football, right? Because LSU football, just like some other universities, like Penn State comes to mind, worked for a long time, but it's 2020, it's antiquated football, it's an antiquated system. Let's go with a spread offense and line up in that damn shotgun 
every single play. All of a sudden, 15-0 Joe Burrow sets, breaks every record in college football history just about. And you've got a national championship team. And you've got a guy who came into the year with about a sixth uh, sixth round draft grade on him. Is the number one pick. Is going to be the savior in Cincinnati. And I got to be honest, I've never been so excited for a team that I have, I have no affiliation with, no fandom to. I have never been so excited for a team after a primetime loss as I am the Cincinnati Bengals. Because look, Baker Mayfield looked great last night. And yes, Odell, everyone wants to make a big deal, had his second game as a Cleveland Brown with over 100 yards and a touchdown. He had 12 of those as a New York Giant. You're going to tell me you'd rather have Eli Manning than Baker Mayfield? I would. I know most of you wouldn't, though. He had 12 of those games as a Giant, two as a Cleveland Brown, and everyone's yelling Odell's back. Save the bullshit. No pun intended there, because we all know how Odell likes it in the bedroom. Save the bullshit. Baker Mayfield, maybe he's back. Maybe he just benefited from the fact that the Browns have the best two-headed run game in the National Football League. You've got a rushing champion a few years back in Kareem Hunt. You've got a guy who led the league through week 16 last year, lost it the final week of the season to Derrick Henry in Nick Chubb, will probably be a rushing champion at some point in the next two, three years. The Cleveland Browns have a phenomenal run game. They've got unlimited weapons on offense. Odell and Jarvis out wide. Inside uh, for your receivers, your tight ends rather, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. I mean, the Browns have legitimately two number ones at every position. Two number one running backs, two number one wide receivers, and two number one tight ends. That's pretty fucking remarkable. The secondary for Cleveland has gotten better. The pass rush, I'm not willing to say that the pass rush is elite. Miles Garrett, of course, one of the best defensive ends in football. The pass rush as a whole, I can't say it's elite. The Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is a fucking train wreck. And that showed last night, and that scares me for Joe Burrow. Because if this kid can just get some damn protection. I think it was Ryan Clark, the former Steelers Super Bowl champ over at ESPN right now, tweeted out, can Joe Burrow redshirt? His freshman year of the NFL. Can we get a red shirt this season so the man can stay healthy? Because it could be a long year and a long career for Joe Burrow, or a quick career, if that offensive line doesn't improve and it doesn't improve quickly. It's a train wreck, a disaster. You need better. You've got to protect Joey Burrow out in Cincinnati because he is a stud. I'm talking, and I said this before the season, I said this about three players in this year's draft Joe Burrow. Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, I get a Hall of Fame vibe. I've gotten a Hall of Fame vibe from these guys for months, way before the season started. Joe Burrow is a generational quarterback. I mean, this guy already two games into his NFL career, and am I jumping the gun on this? Absolutely. Two games into his NFL career, and I would say if you give me the four quarterbacks in the AFC North, he's the second quarterback I want. Now, second best is, is a tricky phrase there to use because you've got Big Ben, right? Ben Roethlisberger, who is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, who is probably, I would argue, definitely a top 10 quarterback of all time. So it depends. Do you mean best in 2020? Do you mean best career-wise? Obviously, the guy's in his second game. You can't put him there career-wise. But right now, he's the second quarterback I want. I want Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Ben Roethlisberger, and then no disrespect or... full disrespect intended. I don't give a shit. Baker Mayfield's the last quarterback I want in that division. And he had a really good game last night. And he had some zip on his balls last night. And he showed mobility to get outside the pocket when he needed to last night. 
Baker Mayfield is the last quarterback in that division that I want on my team right now. Because if Big Ben stays healthy, I have more confidence in Ben Roethlisberger down the stretch and his ability to find guys like Juju, like the rookie, Chase Claypool, like Deontay Johnson. I will take Ben in a pressure situation nine times out of ten this season over Baker Mayfield. So right now, yeah, I'm going with Joey Burrow over any quarterback in that division not named Lamar Jackson. And I'm taking all the other three starters over Baker Mayfield in the year 2020. I am so damn excited to see what the Cincinnati Bengals team has in store. If they can protect him, if they can get a, a, a just a semblance of a defense, I think that this Bengals team really hit the lottery with that first pick this season. Joey Burrow, just don't mess him up. Don't break him because they're one of the worst run franchises in football. I mean, the Bengals, the Browns, the Redskins, you take your pick. The worst run franchises in the NFL. Just don't fuck this one up because Joey freaking Burrow is a generational talent. And I loved everything I saw last night. Speaking of generational talents, the NBA MVP will be formally announced. I'm recording this. It's 1.38 on Friday, September 18th. The award will officially be announced in 22 minutes, 2 p.m. Eastern time. But it was released this morning. Bonaventure's own, my guy, Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj bomb, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, is your MVP. Joins a, a rather prestigious list of guys to win it back-to-back years. And they got it wrong. Giannis Antetokounmpo, by the way, congrats, first player I believe ever, uh, or second player ever, I think he actually joins Michael Jordan, second player to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, same season. He was not the most valuable player this past season in the NBA. LeBron James, and I know LeBron James plays on the Showtime Lakers, he's got Anthony Davis, how can he be the MVP when you have two top 10, arguably two top 5 players on the same team? LeBron James was your MVP this year. I know Giannis's numbers looked amazing, right? Almost 30 points per game, 13 and a half rebounds per contest, and five and a half assists. That looks incredible. Couple that with the fact that he plays stellar defense, quick hands, long arms, one defensive player of the year, well-deserved there over Rudy Gobert, even though Gobert is obviously in contention every season. I think they got it right with Giannis this year. Well-deserved. LeBron James is your MVP. LeBron James is 35 years old and learned a new position in year 17 in the NBA. Now, I know there have been times throughout his career where he's handled the point. LeBron James has never, in the 16 years prior to this one of his career, been his team's primary point guard. He not only went out there and secured his team the one seed, he not only went out there and still managed to average over 25 points per game and over, or almost rather, eight rebounds per contest on the season, But LeBron James went out there at 35 years old, year 17 in the NBA, year one at point guard, and he led the damn league in assists. He was, in fact, the only point guard in the National Basketball Association this year to average double-digit assists on the season. LeBron James, the best basketball player of all time, should have been your NBA League MVP in the year 2020. But it's all right. LeBron's got enough MVPs. LeBron James, I'm sure, would have liked to be the MVP this year, but it doesn't matter because LeBron James is going to be an NBA champion for the fourth time in 10 appearances in the year 2020. 
I mean, is anyone stopping the Lakers? Look, I love what this Denver Nuggets team has done, right? I had Utah beating them in the first round, and I was sitting pretty. The Jazz were up 3-1 in that series. Denver came back, forced a game seven, won it by two. Mike Conley, if you remember, couldn't bury the off-balance buzzer beating three. Denver wins. I said it's fine. They're not going to get past five or six games with the Clippers. I looked like I was sitting pretty again. The Clippers were up three to one. Denver does the same thing, except, oh wait, game seven wasn't that close. The Utah Jazz played a much better game seven, albeit the Jazz, everything that they did in that game was the second half. Denver looked really good at halftime with a double digit lead. But the Utah Jazz gave the Nuggets more of a competition in Game 7 than the freaking Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Doc Rivers-led Los Angeles Clippers could have done. I mean, what was Lou Williams too busy thinking about the the wings and the breasts at Magic City to show up in Game 7? Montrez Harrell thinking about hitting the open market this, uh, this winter? Couldn't show up? Actually, you know, Harrell, to be quite honest, was the only one who showed up. I mean, Kawhi Leonard with the ultimate choke job. My problem with that is people all over sports talk want to kill Kawhi Leonard. I can't. Look at what he did in Toronto. Look at what he's done, albeit he wasn't always the best player on those Spurs teams at the time, but he rose to the occasion every single instance that was presented. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, what he did in the playoffs, in the finals with San Antonio, Absolutely incredible. Leading Toronto last year, giving them that first championship. Absolutely incredible. Did he show up in Game 7? Absolutely not. But I can't kill him for that. I can kill Paul George. I can kill the guy who the Clippers gave up, Shai Gilgorius Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and five first-round picks for. That I can crush. Because the Clippers gave up everything to get Paul George. And he did nothing this postseason. I mean, Kawhi had, had glimpses, had instances of absolute brilliance. Paul George, he was always the Robin to Kawhi's Batman. He never once stepped up and said, I'm going to take care of this. I mean, maybe he had won one great game against Dallas in the first round. Uh, Paul George was, was a true number two. And that should not be a team that has a one and a two. That should be a team that has a 1A and a 1B. And Paul George could not get it together, could not rise to the occasion. I am so disappointed in him. And of course, as much as I love him, as much as I think he's the best coach in the NBA, and I truly mean that, Doc Rivers deserves the criticism. Because he, now for the second time as coach of the Clippers, for the third time in his coaching career, has blown a 3-1 lead. And in the NBA, quite frankly, that's unacceptable. It doesn't happen often. It's really rare in the NBA. The Nuggets just did it twice back-to-back rounds. That doesn't happen often. Credit to the Denver Nuggets. Doc Rivers needs a little reflection this offseason. But back to the point, the Nuggets ain't getting past five with the Lakers. That starts tonight. And LeBron, on the eve of losing the MVP to Giannis Atentacumpo, is going to go out there and ball out, baby. I mean, what answer do the Nuggets have for LeBron? What answer? It's not like he's their point guard, yes. But it's not like a Donovan Mitchell-Jamal Murray guard matchup. If Jamal Murray tries to guard LeBron James, he's going to get lit up. Jokic, he can't keep up with LeBron when he gets into the paint. Imagine having to balance a driving LeBron with Anthony Davis standing eight feet off to the baseline. What's Jokic going to do? Give me a break. The LA Lakers are beating the Nuggets in five. It'll be a gentleman's sweep. They're not going to embarrass them in front of their families in the bubble. It'll be the Lakers in five. And then the Miami Heat, who I'm loving every minute of, 
every minute of that plus 20 point differential in the third quarter last night. Give me the heat. Give me Spolstra and Pat Riley on one side, LeBron James on the other. I mean, look, I love Jimmy Butler. I love the competitor he is. I talk about him almost every week on this podcast. I love Goran Dragic with the all-time postseason of his career. I love Slam Bam Adebayo rejecting Jason Tatum at the rim. I mean, have you seen a block like that in your lives? Just two guys, just pure brute force meeting in midair at the rim. I mean, I can remember from my basketball career, and I'm talking high school, I'm talking minuscule stuff compared to these absolute Herculean figures, but I remember one instance in high school where playing Elmont, right? And a lot of guys on my team are down on ourselves. Elmont looked better during warmups. They looked better than us as a team. And they had this one player. I don't know the kid's name. I remember he wore number 23. He was their small forward. I'm playing center. And he tries to take off, cut into the paint, and go up for a dunk. And if I had one rule, any level, any time I played basketball in my life, it was that I'd be the one dunking on people. I would never get dunked on. And I met this kid in midair in front of the rim, and I swatted that thing past the three-point line, and I let him damn well know I swatted that thing past the three-point line afterwards. I let him damn well know it. That Bam Adebayo block, that's what that gave me flashbacks of. Not that I look like Bam Adebayo, not that I'm not talented, but the adrenaline that I felt when I swatted that thing out past the line... That was the adrenaline I felt watching Bam do it to Jason Tatum fourth quarter game on the line. That was some block. You knew right then and there the series was done. Now, it looked like the Celtics were going to even it up. I'll be honest, I didn't bet the game, but if if gun to my head I had to, I would have said, yeah, Jason Tatum's a dog, Jalen Brown's an athlete, Kemba Walker, he's got the best mental equipment, I think, of anyone on either side of those two teams. The Celtics are going to even it up tonight. Heat are still going to win the series, but I would have said Celtics in game two. And at halftime... It probably would have looked like I was right. But man, oh man, the Miami Heat. I can't wait to see the Miami Heat take on the LA Lakers and lose to the LA Lakers in the NBA Finals. Now, real quick, because Brandon Ling's coming on. He's waiting on the line right now to hop on the show. Real quick, three big takeaways. Week one in the NFL. Number one, Ron Rivera, one of the best coaches in the league. Stop disrespecting him. Got way too much hate in Carolina. He had an injured quarterback who, by the way, had no weapons on that offense outside of Christian McCaffrey. And the defense from when Rivera took that team to a Super Bowl to when he left lost so much in terms of personnel that he was essentially dealing with nothing. Look, the NFC East is wide open every year. I'm high on Dallas. I think if there's a year that a team should run away with that weak division, it's the Dallas Cowboys this year. Don't count out the Washington football team because of... Two reasons, Ron Rivera, and finally getting the vote of confidence from his coaching staff, from his front office, from his teammates, Dwayne Haskins. That's point number one. Point number two, don't piss off Aaron Rodgers. Do not piss off Aaron Rodgers. I picked the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North this year. I said I need like two bold picks, and the Detroit Lions were one of them. The other one's going to be coming up next, but the Lions were one of them. I thought Matt Patricia in his third and what will most likely be his final year as head coach of the Lions would have them fired up, won nine games in his first two seasons combined. I said he could do that again this year. And in that division, truthfully, I figured nine or 10 wins might be able to win it. I was low on Green Bay because once again, they just totally ignored Aaron Rodgers. And instead of giving him weapons to work with, not named Devontae Adams on offense, they drafted his replacement in Jordan Love, which I stand by was an absolutely horrific, horrible, horrendous draft pick. Minnesota Vikings, they lose Stephon Diggs, send him over to Buffalo. I like Adam Thielen. 
Is he a true number one? You're going to bring in a rookie, Justin Jefferson, who could have benefited so much from learning under Thielen and Diggs, and you're going to make him your number two? They lost six starters from the defensive side of the football last year? Awful. I got nothing for the Minnesota Vikings. I figured it was the Lions' year. Well, the Lions were one of my few picks that absolutely blew it week one, surrendering, I believe, a 23-6 lead to the Bears going into the fourth quarter, losing 27-23. Don't piss off Aaron Rodgers. I can tell you right now, I'm going to be wrong on that call. It's a Rodgers division. Point number three before we get to this B-Lang interview. The Arizona Cardinals, my third takeaway, my favorite takeaway from week one. The Arizona Cardinals are even better than I thought. They're better on the defensive side than I thought. They exposed Jimmy G for the true, still very handsome, but true mediocre quarterback that he is. And on offense, baby, DeAndre Hopkins. I thought he would be great. Don't get me wrong. I thought he would help lead this team, especially with Kyler in year two to a wild card to the seven seed is DeAndre Hopkins still the best wide receiver in football I mean Michael Thomas just set the receptions record a year ago but is DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in football I mean he controlled that game so much that we didn't even get to see Larry Fitz wait until defenses start double triple teaming DeAndre and all of a sudden Larry Fitz in what seems like his 42nd year in the National Football League wait till he steals the show because it's gonna happen going to happen on several occasions this year where Larry Fitzgerald goes off 80 90 yards couple of touchdowns I mean between him and Hopkins the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray might have the surest hands in the NFL on their side right Hopkins doesn't drop balls Larry Fitzgerald has probably made more tackles than he has drops in his career I mean it is absolutely insane to be a sophomore quarterback with as much talent as Kyler Murray himself possesses And to have two wide receivers like that to help you in year two get to the playoffs and who knows, maybe even further. But I am so in love with the Arizona Cardinals. I am so high on the Arizona Cardinals. I can't wait to see Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins in a couple days. That is going to be a fun matchup. I'm staying away. Cardinals right now are seven point favorites. I'm staying away. It might be a little closer than that. I never want to bet a big spread against Ron Rivera. But that's just going to be a fun game, and I can't wait. Now, if you want to know what games I am playing, well, stay tuned after the break. Brandon Lang, B. Langer, joining the show up next. Don't even think about leaving. You're locked into the best sports talk out there. Here's Joe. All right, as promised, it's that time of the show. Back here on Serralo Sports Talk. And joining us now from BrandonLang.com, he's also the host of the Football Betting Show on the Believe Podcast Network. It's Brandon Lang. What's up, brother? I tell you what, man. Lexington still, Lisa and backdoor 12-inch black pipe deep up the ass <laughs> with the Bengals. But a boom. If not for that fucking Pollock piece of shit on Monday night, missing three field goals and an extra point, 
your boy B Lang at BrandonLang.com would be a perfect seven and zero in football this year. But you know what? I'm not going to be too upset with six and one. But I swear to God, I'm getting ready to walk into this outlet mall right here. And if I walk in there and I see anybody looks just like Steven Guskowski, I will fucking punch them right in the face, <laughs> stand right over them, and say that's for Steven Guskowski. And if you don't know who he is, look him up. I'll go to jail. I'll go to court. I'll stand before the judge. He'll look at me and said, how do you plead? I'll say guilty due to temporary insanity. He'll say, tell me your story. I'll be like, okay, the guy cost me here. The guy cost me there. The guy cost me Monday night. And the judge is going to go, you know what? I'm a sports better. I get it. Not guilty. Charges dismissed. Take care of B. Lang. I'm like, hey, judge, take the Rams on Sunday. So that's how that would go, big problem. <laughs> I love it. Hey, maybe you'll have the, uh, the Honorable Dustin Hoffman, who will absolutely understand your predicament. Look, Brandon, it was a great week. I never do this. I bet all 16 games week one went 10-6. and six. I told you I was down in Atlantic City. 10-3 and wow. three going into Sunday night football against the spread. And then the Cowboys screwed me. Monday night, both games screwed me. But 10-6 and six week one. Last night, Joey Big Balls with the backdoor pipe. Little Monday night roulette action made me even more. I got to ask you, are you a roulette guy? You seem like you would be. No, I'm, a, I'm a either craps, which gives you the best odds in the house. Okay. And if you get three or four buddies playing craps, the emotion of the table, there's nothing better. Um, and then poker. And, and believe it or not, I'll, I'll actually sit down and play video poker on the machines. A little video poker addict, so that's good. Yeah, and, that's what uh, my dad did. My dad was a big winner too, doing that. Yep. So that's that. You know, that's about it. And then just hey, playing actual poker at the Win Poker Room. Uh, good crew of guys were there. I'm there pretty much uh, November through March. We're there usually every day, noon to like four or five. Just uh, looking for that, uh, looking for that bad river beat, baby. But no bad river beat with Joe Burrows, my man, Joe, backdoor Joe. Loving I it. I tell you what, in my business, it's always good to hit that Thursday night game going into the weekend. We were able to do that last Thursday with the Chiefs, backdoor Joe yesterday. And like I said, to be 6-1 and one on the website to start football season to – to have the winners that we've had, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great start. Last week on radio, I gave out Jacksonville, Packers, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns going to Iowa State, plus 11 and a half went outright by 17. So um, good first week, but in my business, we got to do it all over again. Absolutely. You're only as good as the most recent money you make, people. You mentioned Louisiana Lafayette, Sun Belt, Fun Belt, Arkansas State going to Kansas State and dicking them around. I've been staying away from college football so far. It's early in the season. You know, only like half the teams not even are playing. A lot of big lines. I really haven't liked it just yet. I'm thinking this week I get in. Where am I going to make money this week, Brandon? Come right back with Lafayette. Minus 17 over a week Georgia State team. Okay. Um, I said it last week on radio, Louisiana Lafayette's going to go undefeated. They were 10-3 and three last year. They got everybody back. Probably the best team he's had there since he arrived three years ago. Um, this team is going to go undefeated. They're going to beat Appalachian State in their conference championship game, and they're going to be in position for a New Year's Day bowl bid. That's how good this team is. Listen, you start going into Big 12 schools as a double-digit underdog, and not only win the game outright, but you dominate them in the second half. And much of the knock on, on Sunbelt schools is lack of depth. 
that they hang good for the first half. And the second half, the depth and superiority of the conference takes over and they blow teams out. To show you how deep UL Lafayette is, they were down by three mid-third quarter and outscored Iowa State 21-0 the rest of the way for the outright 17-point win as 11-half-point dog. They're deep. They're talented. They're fast. Keep an eye on Lafayette. Lay the 17. Western Kentucky minus 14 over Liberty. Only four starters back on defense for Liberty. going to be a long day there. And last but not least, Houston Cougars, most experienced team in college football. 19 of 21 starters back. All six receivers, quarterback, offensive line, played a Baylor defense that lost nine of their top 11 tacklers from last year. Give me Houston plus four and a half. Love it. Now, what about you mentioned App State being the team that Lafayette's probably going to play in the Sun Belt Championship. They're at Marshall right now, minus four and a half. You staying away from that game or do you like the Mountaineers in that? Yeah, I looked at that and kept looking at trying to make a play. I don't – Marshall has not played a game yet. App State has, so I'm going to kind of stay away. I was going to lean toward the home dog, but App State just continues to get it done. They're talented, not as talented as Lafayette, um, but I'm a home dog guy. And so I'll, I would either play the home dog or, 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 or stay away. So um, that's a tough game. I looked at it because when I handicapped the board, I look at every home dog – and I handicapped every home dog, trying to make a case for every home dog. Last week, my best bet on Saturday was South Alabama at home, plus 11.5 over Tulane. They led the whole way up 24-6 in the fourth quarter, and they just ran out of gas and lost 27-24 for the easy cover. I don't see a home dog uh, on the board that I'm crazy about. BC, uh, plus 5.5 over Duke. BC's got the running game. Whole offensive line is back. Uh, eight back on defense. I think that's a field goal game. You're getting value with BC, but th that, those are the two dogs in the card that are like BC and the Houston Cougars. Now back over to the NFL week one, you were great. Obviously Gostkowski boned a lot of people in that Monday night game. Nothing to do with your call there though. What was your biggest gambling takeaway from the first 16 games of the season? Mine was a pissed off Aaron Rodgers should never be an underdog, but what did you take away from week one? Well, it's funny you say that because that was my best bet. That was my best I bet. I took on a money line. Yeah, 100, 100 dime. Aaron Rodgers getting points against a, against a Minnesota defense that only returned five guys from that defense last year. He won and covered four in a row against Minnesota when they were even a better Minnesota team. That was like stealing. For me, how bad San Francisco looked laying an egg, that was, that was pretty surprising to me. Um, I can't believe Indianapolis shoved all in on Phillip Rivers, his implosion down at Jacksonville. Um, pretty disappointed in the play of Tom Brady, as was his head coach, Bruce Arians, who kind of called him out. And, 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 and beyond all of that, probably the biggest takeaway for me is how good Cam looked in New England running that offense for Josh McDaniels and, and, and Bill Belichick. You're watching the Carolina Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater struggle. I shouldn't say struggle. They put up some points against the Raiders. But Cam looked healthy. Cam looked fit. Cam looked comfortable. Um, Dick Tracy looked really, really good um, on Sunday for the New England Patriots. Yeah, you know, I think my biggest takeaway in that one was the fact that Cam Newton, we all know he's accurate, right? Accuracy, I mean, with the shoulder issues, it's been – with the shoulder injury, rather, it's been an issue – but the guy can usually get the ball there. It's a matter of how quickly can he get it there. You know, can he do it before a defender jumps the route? And he had some zip on his balls against Miami. That shocked me. He looked great. What's your favorite NFL play this Sunday? 
the Rams, 6-0 and against the spread, their last six in the early Eastern time zone. Um, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, you look at Andy Reid, he's, he's big, he's a little overweight, he looks like a big Santa Claus character. <laughs> but you go, you know, you roll up to Santa Claus and you press Andy Reid's belly button and his body just opens up and cash just follows all over you. The Kansas City Chiefs have won and covered 10 in a row straight up and against the spread going back to last year. And that personal Andy Reid ATM machine in the month of September – the last 11 September games that the Kansas City Chiefs have played, they are 10-1 and against the spread. The Andy Reid, Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme, ATM machine, paying out like a slot machine. And if you watch Cincinnati's defense last night, get absolutely destroyed by Cleveland. And you look at that Charger offense struggling with Tyrod Taylor with just seven points going into the mid-fourth quarter. They're not going to be able to hang with the Kansas City Chiefs. Lay the number with the Kansas City Chiefs. Press Andy Reid's belly button and say, yo, Andy, pay me, motherfucker, because it's time <laughs> to get paid. I'm, I'm all in, Brandon. I got big money on the Chiefs minus eight and a half. I got three other games I want to ask you about before I let you go. Atlanta plus four at Dallas. I was wrong about Dallas. Took them minus two Sunday night. Matt Ryan threw for almost 500 yards. Where are you leaning in that one? I'm staying away. Over the posted total. Beautiful. Free money there. Dallas has gone over 22 of their last 34 on the Vegas board at home. Jerry's got 25% fans in the stands. Uh, that Atlanta defense can't stop my mother, your mother, and our grandmothers in wheelchairs <laughs> over that posted total, which is currently at 52 and a half. Play over. Love it. Denver, Pittsburgh, Broncos plus seven and a half on the road in the Steel City. How do you feel about that game? On the flip side of that, under the posted total. Love what Pittsburgh's defense showed me last week. They've gone 17 and 6 under the posted total. Um, 18 of the last 24 have gone under the posted total. And the Broncos entered two, since 2010. 18 of their last 25 games have gone under the posted total. Fangio, seven of his 11 games as a head coach, some of his last 11 games have gone under the post total as well, under Pittsburgh and Denver. And the last game I want to ask you about, I know you're really high on New England, deservedly so, they were incredible. You didn't seem as high on Seattle last week. I asked you about that Seahawks-Falcon game. You said there was better value elsewhere. I still went, by the time I placed my bet Sunday morning, I got the Seahawks plus a point and a half, so I took a money line in the Borgata. It paid off. Pats are plus three and a half in Seattle. How do you like that game Sunday night? The man in the hoodie the last 15 times, Bill Belichick, is hanging out in the tranny bars with some hot shemales. You give Billy, you give Billy points. He's 12-3 and three against the number, his last 15 as an underdog. 12-3, and three, his last 15 against the number as an underdog. Billy in the hoodie, getting a little creepy in the tranny bar. Let's take New England plus the points. Love it, Brandon. By the way, I think the best value pick I got all weekend was a future – Seattle, minus 115 odds, over nine and a half wins on the season. You think I'm going to be cashing in on that in January? That's a strip bar at the Super Bowl in Tampa. Mons Venus, first cocktails on me, kid. <laughs> I love it. I'll see you there, man. Thanks for hopping on. All right, bud.
Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. What a spot right there from my guy, Brandon Lang, bringing the heat, as always. Hopefully he can make you some money this week. But if he can't, I'm taking this opportunity to use my final segment, my final word, to bring back for football season, my Serralo pick six. It made you plenty of money last year on my radio show, Serralo Sports Talk, back when I was with WSBU. Now, using the podcast to give you my picks for the weekend, I got six picks against the spread, Plus, my extra point, my upset of the week. Let's get to it. I'm starting off with the Giants, plus six in Chicago. Look, I think Daniel Jones showed a lot of who he is in that opening week game against the Steelers. Is he prone to turnovers? Absolutely. But is he also accurate as hell, and can he create plays when they fall apart? 100%. You saw it in that 19-play drive he used on the Giants' first possession of the second half. It ended in that end zone interception. Don't forget his elbow got hit as he was throwing, but he was phenomenal. If the Giants put the ball in the end zone like they should have that drive, it's a whole different ball game. And I don't think Trubisky is going to week after week be the guy who puts up a 21 spot in the fourth quarter. Give me the Giants plus six against the Bears. Going with the Jaguars plus nine, I got it. It's down to seven and a half. I got a plus nine at Tennessee, and I love that pick. Am I in on Minshew mania? God, no. But do I think Gardner Minshew is much worse than Ryan Tannehill? Not at all. The difference here, it's the obvious one, Derrick Henry. Also the Titans defense, also the coaching. Doug Marone, out of the 32 coaches in the NFL, might be 33rd or 34th best. Mike Vrabel, I love the way this guy fires up his team. Titans are going to win, but it's going to be a one-score game. Don't make any mistake about it. Jags plus nine on the road. Heading to New York, the 49ers only getting a touchdown against the Jets. I'll take them by a billion. Look, the Cardinals last week, their defense revamped D, exposed Jimmy Garoppolo for, as I said, the handsome yet mediocre quarterback that he is. Jimmy G is going to have a field day against the depleted Jets. Niners by seven, I'd take them by 24. The Baltimore Ravens, also seven-point favorites, also on the road. They're headed to Houston, a team who last year they beat 41-7. Do I think it's going to be the same bloodbath? No, I don't. Do I think it's going to be another double-digit win for the Baltimore Ravens to start the 2020 campaign? I absolutely do. Deshaun Watson needs a change of scenery in the worst way. I said it back around the draft. The best thing Miami could have done would be trade two of their first-rounders to Houston, try to get Deshaun instead of drafting Tua and taking a chance on his injuries. I think Watson needs out of Houston in the worst way. Bill O'Brien, I like him as a coach. Worst GM in football should have never been handed the reins to run that team's front office. Hate Billy O the GM, like Billy O the coach, but it won't be enough. Ravens minus seven. How about the Chiefs for another big road favorite? Eight and a half at the LA Chargers. If you look at the last four matchups, the Chiefs have actually covered eight and a half against the Chargers, three out of their last four matchups. I like Tyrod Taylor a lot. I want Tyrod Taylor to be successful. Tyrod Taylor just can't put up big time points. Patrick Mahomes will do it week in, week out. I think this one's probably going to be something along the lines of Kansas City 38, LA 13. Give me the Chiefs minus eight and a half. Sunday night football. Now I love B-Lang. I love having him on my show all the time, especially football season. Gonna have to go against him here. 
He likes New England plus the three and a half. I got on this game when it was a four-point spread in favor of the Seahawks, and I'm going with Seattle. Minus four at home. I know the number he gave. Bill Belichick has covered 12 of his last 15 when he's an underdog. It doesn't happen often. I don't think he's covering this one. Cam Newton looked great, but Cam Newton looked great against the Dolphins. This Seattle Seahawks team is my pick to emerge from the NFC and represent that conference in the Super Bowl. I took the over nine and a half wins on the season. I thought that was an absolute gimme. I'll take the Seahawks prime time. Don't forget, the Pats, they've got a history of Sunday night football struggling a little bit. Last year, Sunday night, lost to the Ravens. Last year, Sunday night, lost to the Texans. Last year, Sunday night, lost to the Chiefs. Two years ago, Sunday night, lost to Matt Patricia in one of his only nine wins as the coach of the freaking Lions. The Pats are not a great Sunday night football team. Going with Seattle, minus four at home. And for my extra point, my upset of the week, do I dare say it? Kimmy Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, three-point dogs. I'm taking them to win outright in Indy. Look, it's a one o'clock game, and that's what it comes down to. Kirk Cousins, if this was Sunday night, if this was Monday night, hell, if it was Thursday night, I'd tell him to get lost. A 1 o'clock Sunday matinee coming off of an 0-1 start to the season and where the Vikings offense looked pretty damn good putting up 34 against the Green Bay team that put up 43. I'll take them to win in Indianapolis. I was down on the Colts. I hated the Phillip Rivers signing when it happened. I let a lot of people talk me into taking the Colts to win the division. I went against my gut, wanted to go with Tennessee, ended up taking Indianapolis to win it, and Tennessee is a wild card. I don't know how I feel about that right now. I'm going with the Vikings to win outright on the road. Go make some money. This week's on me. Who am I kidding? Every week's on me. Just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Special thanks to the team working on the show, especially Kirsten Kroll for this week's episode. Special thanks to my guy, Brandon Lang. Guys, see you next week. Come on. That's right. Hey. Let's go. Uh-huh. Woo. Yeah. Uh. Living life fast, we ain't gonna slow down Look around, me and my team, the talks of the town Women love me, they say they love me Be out in Cancun, chilling while we sipping bubbly Don't get it twisted, man, I put in work for it And for what it's worth, I came from nothing I was hungry and my stomach hurt Now look at us, big money discussion Throwing it like it's nothing Start the car with a button, what's up then? The liquor in my system, party getting lit And I think I'm getting tipsy Back to the hotel, is you coming with me? I'ma need a Stacy, Ashley and Brittany, yeah I ain't been asleep in like two days I've been doing things I know many dudes came People used to hate on me acting two-faced But I'm steady getting my money in new ways The party is popping, tonight is amazing Yeah, we blowing smoke, you would think we Jamaican Yeah, rude boy, bumper clock, man you know we high Life is a highway, I'ma get it in overdrive Vroom vroom to the top with a penthouse And if you standing in my way, you need to get out We eating lobster, living like a mobster The track is a monster, hotter than a sauna This is my Motivation for elevation If you ain't living how you want You need to make some changes Raise my glass to my adversary Cause I ain't tripping My competition is necessary Tonight is going down again Man, we legendary So many women coming in Man, they everywhere Still repping for my city Even when I'm overseas And I ain't gonna stop, homie You better believe Throw it up
Uh, yeah. Trying to bring that old thing back Girl, I could give you a feeling that your ex can't match Let's take a shot of tequila and just lay back On the beach, no stress, how could you hate that? This is what I call life, this is what I call good living Enemies, only memories, good riddance Negativity, uh-uh, that's forbidden Man, I could do this every day, bro, no kidding Young, wild, and free, and my future look bright Fresh cut, new shirt, hell yeah, I look right You just my type, down for anything Cute face, slim waist, and you sport a belly ring Two fingers in the sky for the good times On a natural high, don't wanna come down I'ma make the whole night one night to remember I may never see you again, but I'll never forget you Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.